Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. Before we get uh, started this evening and I introduce our speaker to you, I want to share just for a moment, just for about a minute, um, my heart to you. Um, you know, and a lot of people ask me about this and they wonder what we're doing. One of the visions, one of the facets of the vision of this church is to raise up people. I don't, you know, I used to, I used to say it this way. I want to raise up the next generation and I do want to raise up the next generation so that the church will continue on. But let me tell you something. Um, I want to raise up all generations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, I, I think that youth have energy and age has wisdom. And somewhere we need to learn to bring the youth and, and elderly together so age and wisdom or age or wisdom and strength can work together. Can you say amen? amen? And so somewhere along the line, that's what we're doing. I want to raise up people to find their calling and to walk in it. Now, I am blessed because, you know, my family has made decisions. These are not decisions that were coerced by me. Uh, for a long time, my son Andrew was going to be many different things, but one of them was not a pastor. And so that was okay. And you know what? When he wanted, when he was on those trails, we backed him and we went, you know, to the carpet with him and said, we're, we're behind you 100%. But then after he worked through those things and worked through what God was telling me, he came to a place where he said, you know what, Dad, I believe I'm called to be a pastor. And Jason always, you know, from the time he was about 11 years old, uh, was in his room playing music that, that you only hear on CDs. And you, you, you go, wow, there's something there. We could never get him to sing, but then he, he broke out of that. And now he's a worship leader. And Amy, of course, you know, is in, in, in Bible school. And, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have children and my wife, my whole family serving God and going forward in the kingdom of God. And I am so proud of them. I am so proud of them. Just as I am, I think of, let me just say this, just as I am, like Pastor Howie and uh, Pastor Rosemary and different ones that, that have raised up, they've gone to school and, and they've, they've done these things in their life to further their education and others that are rising to the challenge, no matter if it's our prayer ministry or children's church or our nursery workers or those that are, I, I think of Barb teaching out at the uh, jail. You know, I look at you, Barb, and let me just say something to you. I look at you and you do not look like you belong in jail. You look like you should be home baking cookies for the grandchildren. But no, no, Barb goes to the jail, and you know, she speaks to the women inmates there, and she has an anointing, and she is touching their lives, and they are being changed because of the word of God that's in her. And you know what? I am proud of that. I think of Harry and Charmaine that lead our uh, marriage ministry, and I think how proud I am of them that they're doing that. And as I look around the room, and I know that I'm probably forgetting people, but please do not take that as an offense. I, I am, I'm proud of all of you that are laboring in the kingdom. And this is what we're about, raising up ministry. But tonight, we have an opportunity to hear from our younger generation. And I've asked my son to come and deliver the message. So let's give Andrew Poole a great big hand as he comes.
I'm good. You're going to need to turn this down. I'm a lot louder. Uh, So tonight I am really excited. Uh, But before we start, um, during worship, I just, well, actually, this was yesterday. And how many have heard the song Tremble before? We do it here. And um, last Wednesday, Brianna, I want you to stand up. Where are you, Brianna? She was here. Where is she? We brought her there. Our parents like, where is she? Well, if, she, if when Brianna comes back in, I'm going to give her a word. If someone can go find her, that'd be great. Anyway, so tonight I'm really excited because um, God really put this message on my heart for uh, the last few weeks. And but before we get into that, um, my dad usually. Sometimes it opens up with a joke. I know Pastor Alex most of the time opens up with a joke, but I'm not as funny as them. So I found some really funny... How many know what a meme is? Okay. All right. All of you guys better raise your hand. These memes surround church, and some of them are funny just to me because they... Like growing up in church, you kind of get... You, you, you'll get it. So this one... When the pastor says, everybody bow your head and close your eyes, and you got this one, it says, how your mom look when the pastor says something about a disobedient child, you know, when the preacher calls out exactly what you're going through, you got this one, you got every worship leader under 30, you got one does not simply leave church without their mom talking to everyone, that can be... Hi, that can be mom slash dad, especially when you grow up in church. You know, we, don't, we you guys all get out at like tw- you know twelve till you know five tw- five till twelve. We don't leave here until like twelve thirty, bare minimum. All right. So when your cell phone sounds like what your cell phone sounds like in church. This is bo- this is my wife. Sorry, babe. Before church, eight fifty five a.m. at church at nine o'clock. <laughs> says. Church, uh, this is also my wife and Brandy. Church girls be like, these are walking and walking in and out only shoes. It says, when the worship team plays your favorite song. Excellent. During worship, during praise and worship, what you think you look like, what you actually look like. If you don't know who that is, <laughs> that's Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. When you step outside after a great worship experience. Oh, whoops. Oh, come on. There we go. Christians be like, Lord, let this food be a nourishment to our bodies. <laughs> that, that moment when someone taps you on the shoulder while you're, while you're deep in worship. Uh, I don't know why you weren't at church, but I will find you and I will bring you. Finds a ringtone that says, amen, no longer has to silence cell phone in church. It says, that awkward moment at church when you go for a handshake and they go for a hug. (laughs) That moment when you can't find the scripture, but you pretend and read it anyway. It says, the first time the worship team plays a song, you don't, look it, I have been on the worship team for 12 years. I have seen all of these looks when we play a new worship song. And then the face you make when the lady behind you in church takes forever to open her peppermint. And then churches be like, do we have any first-time visitors? 
and then I think this is the last one. Gotta catch them all, did it twice, the original Pokemon master. <laughs> I did that one just for you, Nathan. All right, that's it. <laughs> the ironic thing is uh, my mother-in-law uh, tagged me in that post on Facebook today, and I thought they, they, were, they were very funny. So anyway, now that we've all, everybody feel a little bit better, right? You know, okay, so now I'm going to bum you out. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so God's put this message on my heart, and I want to start off by asking this question. Has anybody ever in life been stressed out? Has anybody, uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me ask this, has anybody ever been a little anxious before, right? Overwhelmed, we'll say, we'll say you know, peaceless, you know, no peace, you, you know, I've gone, li gone life without peace, you know. And, you know, I think that when we look at life, living life without peace is something that all of it, it's, it's universal, being stressed, being anxious, being, you know, overwhelmed, it is a reality that all of us face at one point in time or another. But it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what age, job description, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're, you know, a teacher, whether you're whatever it is, we at some point in time are going to be stressed out. But the reason, there is a reason for that. The reason is, is that we live in a world that is designed to take our peace. We live in a world that, that it is its job to take our peace. But the reality is there is only one thing that, that is actually out to get your peace, and that's hell. See, your boss can't take your peace. Your wife, believe it or not, can't take your peace. Students, your teachers... And your parents cannot take your peace. The reality is, is, is that our enemy or our, the, the thing that is taking our peace, or the Bible says that our, our enemy is not of flesh and blood, right? So that the people or the, the things in our life, a lot, of people, a lot of people go, oh, man, I, just, you know, I can't be on social media anymore because, I, I, man, I get, I get bummed out. I can't watch, you know, I can't watch the news anymore. I can't, I, I, you know, it, 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 it bums me out. It, it stresses me out. It, ta I, 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 it takes my peace. But here's the thing is, is that that is just a tool. That's a tool that the devil is using to take your peace. Now, this is not the time you elbow your husband or wife and say, I told you you're a tool. But this is what we have to understand is, is that like I said, our enemy is not a flesh and blood. The reality is, is that, you know, hell just, look it, I'll be honest. I'll just be straight up honest. Hell has my number sometimes. Hell has my number. And what I mean by that is I can have a great day. I can have, you know, I can get up on time. I can, you know, make my son, my job is to make my son's lunch, get him dressed so that he can go to school with mom. You know, I have to get up at 6 with her. She gets ready. I get him ready. Then I, you know, I either can go to the gym or, you know, come, come to the church early, do whatever. I can have a great day. But then see one thing on Facebook and it's done. Or someone can cut me off in traffic and I'm just, you know what. Or someone can, I can perceive something. 
I can perceive a look by someone, and I make an assessment over their assessment of me, which I don't really know what they're thinking about, and now I'm mad. Am I the only one? Okay, great. Sweet. We can start a club. Howie? Shh. So the question is, is why? Why is hell so interested in taking our peace? It's because it's part of our inheritance. Peace is part of our inheritance. And what I mean by that is this, is, is that inheritance is something you gain by the death of someone else. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, very common portion of scripture, and he says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, that chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So what he went through on the cross was for our restoration, was for our healing, and was for our peace. They are all equal. He went to the cross equally for all three. We, when we pray a sinner's prayer, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't doubt, like, if I go, you know, if I repent of my sin and I ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life and he, there is a supernatural transformation that happens in my heart, I don't go back and I, I, I don't second guess whether that is true. But yet we do that with peace all the time. We, we even make theological excuses. Well, you know, we, you know, we just live in a lost, we, you know, original sin, and we live in a fallen world, and I just, oh, man, I, you know, I'm just, you know, God, just take me home now. We make those, and look at, I, I'm, not, I'm not dogging on that. What I'm saying is, is that our peace, the chastisement, that word chastisement means like the scolding or the, the punishment. The re, one of the reasons why Jesus went to the cross was so that you and I can have peace. Half of you believe me. So for the other half, let's read what Jesus says. We, we could trust Jesus, right? John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus uses this phrase. He goes, not as the world gives. So what does that mean? Well, he, he finishes the statement. He goes, look, I'm not going to give you what the world gives. What does the world give you? Trouble, free, fear. That word trouble means distress, anxiety, discomfort. Those are the choices you have. You have what the world offers, and you have what I offer. Now, look at the context of this scripture for a second. The context of this scripture is smack dab in the middle of Jesus teaching his disciples right before he goes to the cross. You have in chapter 13, he's washing the disciples' feet. You have him doing, you know, he's, he's giving them his last words. How many, like, how many know that first and last words are really important, right? The last thing someone says to you, you know, we tend, we tend to remember. And so when Jesus is, Jesus puts in the category of very important things to remember me saying is, I'm going to give you my peace. Because of because what is about ready to happen on a cross, you get to have peace. And guess what? You need my peace for what's about ready to happen. But here's, here's the problem. Sometimes Jesus, doesn't from us, doesn't always get what he paid for. 
And I, I, I begin to think, like, okay, God, what? Why is us having peace so effective? Why, why is us having peace so important? And a peaceless Christian is not an effective Christian. Stressed out Christians are not effective. If the devil can keep you, the devil doesn't want, the devil wants to destroy you. Don't get that wrong. But if he can't necessarily destroy you, he can distract you. If he can, if he can distract you, you're, you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're focused on this, you are not focusing what, on what God has for you. But see, here's the thing is, is that there's, there, there are no, how many know that there are no bench warmers in the kingdom of heaven? I play sports, so I have a lot of sports analogies, okay? So in this, so prepare yourself. So there are no bench warmers in the kingdom of heaven. And what I mean by that is everybody plays. It's like Pop Warner, everybody plays. No matter what, no, no matter what your skill level is, no matter what, what, what it, it doesn't matter. There are no bench warmers in the king, kingdom of heaven. We are all called to go make disciples of all nations. But what does that mean, though? What that means is that we have to impact our community for the kingdom of heaven. Community is very, it's a very relative word. Community can mean your family. Community can mean work, can mean school, can mean the grocery store. Plain and simple, community is the people that are around you. See, I'm going to have to pronounce this correctly or my wife will be mad. Drowning people can't save drowning people. The world is supposed, Jesus calls us the, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. My dad talked about this about it this weekend. We are, we are supposed to affect change. We're not supposed to be a thermometer. We're supposed to be a thermostat. We're supposed to affect change in the community around us. But if, God, if, 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 the, uh, if the devil can distract us, we're not accomplishing our mission. It's, and, and that's to affect change. But if we are actually to affect our community, we need to have something more than our community has. If Christians are stressed out and Christians are struggling with this peace problem, why are they going to want to come to us for an example? And, and look at what I'm saying is this, is that we have the answer. We have peace. We have uh, uh, prosperity and we have healing and we have all of that. We have access to the one who has everything. But yet when they look at us, do they see that? Or do they see another overwhelmed person that they can buddy up to? You see, here's the thing is God called us to live in the storm, not the storm live in us. And see, how we, how, but the question is how do we live in the storm without it affecting our life? And so I began to ask God and I said, God, where, show me in the Bible of someone who was in, a, was in a culture much like our own, and, 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 but he didn't allow, he affected culture. He didn't allow culture to affect him, and God pointed me to Daniel. And Daniel, and look at I'm, I'm, I'm not making a prophetic statement about our culture, but when you look at the, the, the state of what Babylon was and what we are, we're closer to Babylon than a God-fearing Israel, right? Okay, we're going to leave it there. Okay, so 
So when, when God brings me to the story of Daniel, here's a guy. Let's give some, once again, we have to, I'm, a, I'm a Bible student, so I have to put everything in context. Okay? So this section, so if you want to turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6, verses, verse 10. We're going to get there here in a second. And it's this. It's, it, 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 in this section of Scripture, you have Daniel, who, Daniel, Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or VeggieTales, Rack, Shack, and Benny, okay? So you have these four guys. They're highly intelligent, good-looking, the best of the best. They're, the, they're, Israel, they're Israel's best. Well, when Babylon came in and you know, enslaved the Israelites and brought the Israelites into exile, these four guys, they kind of rose up the ranks. And now you have Daniel that, because of God in his life, he's been exalted above, here's this Israelite, a foreigner, exalted above locals, exalted above, you know, Babylonians. This made them mad. So they plan, and this is a whole sermon in and of itself, the, they said, let's plan to get rid of him. And the only way we can get rid of him is by finding fault with him in his faith. So the very thing they used to destroy him was his commitment to God. That's a whole separate thing. And so in chapter six, and so what they say is they say, you know, King, what we need to do is we need to, we need to, you're a really good guy and all the Babylonians seem to love you. So we're going to do 30 days and no one can pray or sacrifice or anything like that to anybody but you. Knowing that Daniel was a God-fearing man and wouldn't obey this and would have to and stick to his, you know, stick to his faith and stick to his, stick to his relationship with God. They knew that this would entrap him. And so the king, not knowing that they were planning to kill his favorite dude, goes, all right, you know, signs the thing and says, so in chapter six, verse 10, it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and he went in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as, he w- as was his custom since early days. What I want you to do, there are four things, and we're going to get out of here. There are four elements in this one scripture that will teach us and help us to keep our peace. Number one, the, the first phrase is when he went home and in his upper room. When you look at the word home in the original Hebrew, it means temple. It's, it, that word is used to describe the house of God. The next phrase, upper room, is the same phrase that we see in Acts, in Acts 1, where the Holy Spirit was poured out onto the disciples. And so what does that tell us? Peace is found in his presence, and peace is found in the presence of his people. So for us to keep our peace, and for us to not just like, not just like keep our peace, but to combat the attack, our refuge needs to be in the church. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, sometimes I lose my peace in the church. I do. Sometimes this is the very place I lose my peace. But if you're talking about the structure, you've missed the point. 
The church is where his people are gathered. And not everyone has access to you like, you sh- like they should. So we, look at I'm, I'm, I'm active on Facebook, and I, you know, I post things, and I post everything from puppies to political stuff, and, you know, people, you know, that I know that are, you know, on any side of the spectrum of, of political whatever, they'll comment. Some of it's positive, some of it's, you know, negative, all of this. Look at I am allowed to, I, I, have, I have control over who I allow, the, the voices in my life. You are allowed to control the voices in your life. And so when, when we look at the fact that Daniel found his refuge in the temple of God and in his presence, that shows us that that's where we find our peace. You want to talk about a, 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 a stressful situation. He knew exactly what would happen to him if they caught him. He knew the punishment was death, and he knew the, pun- the death penalty then wasn't a syringe or beheading. It was being ripped apart by lions. But his call to serve as God was greater than the fear of being ripped apart by lions. You see, a lot of people don't even realize, like when you lose your peace, it may take you a while to figure out you've lost it. There's times where you lose your peace and, and, and these things are happening in these situations and you, and you feel stress, or you feel anxious and you just, you can't put a place, you can't put like, man, I wish I had, what is that, uh, the clicker thing, that measure, measures radiation, what is that called? Geiger, Geiger counter, thanks, Dad. On where my peace is, where to go. But see, what happens when you lose your peace? We have to stop. We have to retreat, and we have to go to God, into his presence. So when I played football in, in high school, I, my, it was my senior year. It was the homecoming game. I caught an interception, and I landed, and I landed on my ankle kind of like this, but my, the inside of my ankle touched the ground with my legs still straight. And I heard this big old pop. I was right next to the, the sidelines, and my ankle swolled up, and, and they, couldn't, they didn't want to take my shoe off because I wouldn't be able to put my shoe back on, and... And, and now, I think, does that continually, you know, it's fun. Freak, you know, my wife doesn't like it. And my dad really doesn't like it. Um, and so, the thing is, is when you get hurt, what's the first thing you have to do? Stop and remove yourself from the game. A lot of us, what we want to do is we want to, without peace, try to fix the problem. But guess what? You don't have the very thing you need to fix the problem. That's like me trying to patch a hole of drywall with no drywall, just with mud. I've tried doing that. Doesn't work. <laughs> Doesn't work. I don't have the very thing that I need to put that to fix this problem. The second thing is, is that the second phrase is open toward Jerusalem. This is a very, very basic statement. Even someone even made a brand, a T-shirt and sticker brand. It's called "Not of This World." Daniel had a sense of peace about him because he knew Babylon was not his home. You and I get a sense of peace because we know this is not our home. At the end of the day, 
this is all, this is all going to go away. This does not mean that we get to disassociate ourselves, disassociate ourselves because God calls us to affect this. But this is not supposed to affect us. So what that means is, is that when we know our spirit is sitting in heavenly places with Jesus, we have a power and authority to affect the change that we need to do. See, there, here's, the, here's, here's an example. Me and Shay, we went to, this probably about five years ago, the first time we went to New Orleans. Um, her, her, her parents, uh, her mom loves going to New Orleans. We love the food, all this, and I'd never been. I'm, you know, so we went, and we flew in, and apparently we didn't look at the news or the weather the entire like, couple of weeks before. We land, and there's like, like the, the, the airport's packed. We're like, what is, what is going on? Well, apparently about like 100 miles off the coast, there's a tropical storm coming in New Orleans, and it's gaining some momentum. And, uh, you, know, you know, New Orleans has a pretty bad record when it comes to hurricanes, right? And so there was a sense of stress in that community but Shay and I were like, man, this is, this is intense. But why did we have a sense of peace? Because my son, my home, my livelihood was here. I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah, now I was a little nervous because we're in it, but I was more kind of excited because I would see a hurricane. Because it never rains here. Like that, I mean, let's be real. So, so I was like, man... I'm kind of excited for this. There was a level of peace that no local had because that was their home. That's the same peace you and I have when all literal hell is breaking loose around us. Third thing, he gave thanks to God. See, this is, (laughs) when we look at what God has done, it empowers us for what God wants to do. The devil, see, here's the thing. If the devil can distract you from what God, or not just distract you, but distort what God has done in your life, he will undermine, not only he he uh, he will use you to undermine what God wants to do. You see, when David went up against Goliath, what did he say? He said, look it, bro. God gave me the bear. God gave me the lion. And today, he's going to give me your head. Because look it, he was faithful then. He is faithful now. There was a sense of confidence and peace that went before David. There was a sense of confidence and peace that went before him and carried him through that. David, there was nothing special about David. But there was everything special about God in David. And God used David. See, if, the, the reality is, is that when we're not thankful, when we, and it's not just the things that he's done. If we're not thankful for the things that God is doing, we start to actually then get complacent. We actually start to then lament what we do have. And what do we start doing? Or here, what do I start doing? What I start doing is I find anything around me to fill this thing. I get hungry. I get hungry and I'm like, oh man, I need to, I need to feel some sort of accomplishment, man. I need to, you know what, Xbox, 
I need, I'm good at that. I'm going to do that. I'm not really good at that. I suck at that, but that's beside the point. I'm going to go build something. I'm good at that. I'm going to go, oh, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a remodel. I'm going to do something with my hands because I can't fix this thing inside of me. Because I'm actually lamenting the things that are going around me and, God, and the devil has distracted me and distorted my view of what God has done. And I'm, he's actually using me to undermine what he wants to do. Because guess what? I, no one can steal your peace. You give it. The devil, look, the devil is powerless. He only has the power he has if you give it to him. When you believe the lie, when I believe the lie, when I say, hey, God, you know, oh, 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 that person didn't, that person didn't look at you. They don't like you. That person didn't like your Instagram post. They must hate you. That person, you know what? They, they liked that liberal post. <sighs> I can't be friends with them. When you start going down that, oh, that didn't get a plot. That, that was, my mom laughed. There we go. <clears throat> But when we start going down that road and we start feasting on that, or hey, how about this? It's innocent. I'm just going to, you know what? I'm going to binge Netflix. I need, a, I, need a, I need a TV series just to zone out to. All right, you know what? I just need to get lost in YouTube. I'm just, uh, you know, just going to do that because I, that's the only place I feel satisfied. That's the only place that, you know, that's the only place that's meeting this stuff. What happens? We're feeding our stuff on garbage and then we feel sick. What happens when I eat two cheesy gordita crunches and two bean and cheese burritos and a large soda? I feel sick. I feel gross. It happens way too frequently, but I feel gross. But if I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat all that garbage, and then, hey, I'm going to go run this marathon. You look at me and go, bro, you're insane. But see, this is what we do. We go, oh, hey, I haven't feasted on his word, but you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to do a 10-day fast. What? You're setting yourself up for failure. Maybe, you, maybe we need to just read a couple chapters, chapters a day and be consistent. Oh, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Number four is, as was his custom. You see, David did not, I'm sorry, Daniel did not retreat. God, he resided in the presence of God. He was consistent you see, I, look, I'm going to be honest with you. There are times when I feel anxious and I feel stressed out. That's when I go to my Bible. I'm like, oh, man, I need more of this. Yep. But that's good. But that's taking a Tylenol when you have a migraine and you're really dehydrated. It'll work for a minute. It'll work. It'll mask the symptoms. But what God says is, look it, I don't want to just mask your symptoms. I want to be the very wellspring of life that sustains you every day. You see, we can be consistent. When we are consistent, we no longer run on fumes, but we run on a power source that can carry us through any trial, any tribulation. And then when this, this storm comes, we're like, hey, I, this, is, this is pretty cool. I can't wait to see what God's going to do in this. It's not really fun right now. I miss the sun, but let's go away. There's a sense of confidence when we are consistently and we, we persistently reside in his presence. You see, it's David did, I'm sorry, Daniel did all of these things. 
He consistently resided in his presence. He consistently resided in community. And he lived a lifestyle. He lived a, a lifestyle of gratefulness. You see, when we do that, guess what? You're still going to have moments of ups and downs. But guess what? We have then the momentum and we have this, all of this energy stored. And we go, look at, I've been, you know, I feel like David, when David came before Goliath, there was a sense of, bro, I've been throwing rocks at trees for months. I need a good fight. There's going to be a time, what? There's going to be a time in your life where when we consistently feast on who he is, I'm not preaching this, so might as well close that. It's distracting me. When there's, there's going to be a time in our life when we consistently feast on who he says he is and who he, not just that, but who he says we are, that we continually go and we go, look it, I'm ready. Oh, hey, oh, I for, hey, devil, I forgot you were there. You ready to go? Let's go. There's this attitude of confidence that God, that's what Jesus paid for. Jesus didn't pay for just some wimpy little people. That can just, oh man, I'm just hoping for, you know, I'm just, you know, if God wants, you know, if he wants to do it, he, he'll, he'll do it, you know. No, 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 no. The Bible says that his promises are yes and amen. The Bible says that when we call on his name, mountains will fall. Hey, hey Brianna, you weren't here in the beginning. I'm going to give you a word real quick. Yep. Stand up, please. Um, yesterday, I was listening to the song Tremble, and um, last, last Wednesday, you killed it. You're welcome. And I was listening to the song, and the, your face came to my mind, and, and then, you know the Pied Piper? He plays the flute, and he, all the rats like scurry out of the you know, city, all this. And God goes, that's her. And then, like, I kind of saw the, 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 the flute, and then it had your name on it. And I thought, you were the Pied Piper. And he goes, no, that's me. And I'm going to use her. I'm going to use you as an instrument. And I'm going to use you. And the, and, and, and the rats are just, rats, yeah, but what they, re what they represent are the people that you are going to influence with your voice. Your worship is going to lead people to this altar. So, Shay, can you, can you get behind her? Father God, I thank you for Brianna. God, I thank you for the, this word. God, I seal this word in your spirit. I pray right now blessing. God, I pray that you, you begin to download songs in the name of Jesus into her heart, into her spirit. God, that she may, she may be able to be an instrument for you to a generation that does not know you, God. God, not just, a, not just a generation in age, but a time period that there are people that will be able to see God is real through her voice. God, that I, I feel, Brianna, I feel that this is, your voice is going to be an evangelistic tool that draws men and women to his name. And we seal this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I just want to close in prayer. Father God, I just thank you.
for what you're doing tonight, God. God, I pray, Lord, that the peace that you have given us, we are able to, we are able to keep and defend. God, and that this is not just fumes that gets us through the next moment, God, but this is a, the beginning of a lifestyle that pushes us forward. God, I thank you for what you're going to do in and through our life, God. God, draw us. God, I just pray more of your Holy Spirit. Just make your presence so sweet in this place. God, in every single life, every single home, God, every workplace, God, whenever they enter a room, God, people just feel a shift. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. God, we, today is a marked difference. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.